Welcome to the River City Church podcast and a message by our lead pastor, Jason Powers. Our prayer is that this message would inspire and encourage you, build your faith, and point you to the life-changing love of Jesus. May you enjoy the goodness of God as you follow him today. You know, to be a part of River City that, that does love, loves so well. That is actually our confession. That's what we say when we gather together, and hopefully sooner than later we gather together, and our confession is we say we are badly broken and we are deeply loved. The idea and our identity is that we are loved by Jesus. And I hope you know today, if you hear nothing else today, that's my hope is that you'll hear that, that you are deeply loved by a God who is good and who is a creator. Sometimes feeling that can be difficult. It's like a, um, it's like a treasure hunt. When we have family movie night at our house, um, my wife, Natalie, she's always going to have, right? She'll go through and she'll nod. One of the movies that Natalie always comes back to is the National Treasure series. You know, Nicolas Cage, right? Um, she loves those movies. They're, they're top, top tier for her. And they're, they're great kind of adventure, mystery kind of, kind of movies. And there's, it, it's kind of a predictable storyline. It's the, it's, the, it's the mystery, right? There's a search. There's a promise of a great treasure. There is a search. Then they get out and they set out and things are fine and they've got a hot lead. And all of a sudden, trouble. There's, there's a plot twist, and all of a sudden this obstacle steps in the way, and we wonder, are we going to find the treasure? Are we going to get there? And then we do. Oh, glorious day, we find it. We love mystery movies. We like the idea of an adventure. We like the idea of a search in movies and in books. Not so much in life. In life, mystery, not so good. In life, we want to see where we're going, and we want to see what we're doing. And in life, we want to understand all of the things. We don't like to have obstacles. We don't like to have our plots foiled in life. And the problem is this instinct works against faith. What we, we say seeing is believing. What we can't see, we struggle to believe. We don't believe. But God wired us to love adventure stories. God wired us to love drama, to love the search. And that's where faith comes in because that is wired into, it's hardwired into us. We love finding. We love the adventure. We love when the, 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 the surprise springs up on us and we get in and we see it and we go, oh, I knew it was there. That's what faith is. Faith is a journey. Faith is a journey to discover the goodness of God. And it's a search. We hear stories. It, you know, and maybe you're tuning in for the first time. You know, maybe um, you're on Facebook right now and somebody started a watch party and you just stumbled by um, and you, you, know, you saw the bright light off of my bald head and you said, well, I want to check that out for just a second and see what that is. And so now you know it's a church and maybe you haven't, you're not a part of a church. You haven't been a part of a church for a long time and, and you wonder, what's, what's this about? What's this? And maybe you've heard stories that God is like this or God is like this. Well, behind our Everything that we do is this idea, and we believe that it's a promise. We've heard stories of it, that God is real, that there is a God who exists. And not only that there's a God who exists, but that God is good. And we've heard this. There is a God, and he's good. He's not mean. He's not angry. He's vindictive. Now, maybe you've heard something else. 
Maybe you've heard and maybe you've seen people on TV who kind of wear the name of Christian and they've been hateful. But you hear behind that, not everybody says that. Is it possible that there's a God who is good and who is loving and is kind and is gracious? Is it possible? Is it possible that there is a God who is not only good and loving, but knowable? Is it possible that we can actually know God? This is the X, that mark, the, the X on the treasure map, right? X marks the spot. And you find the map and you see the X and you begin to dream these dreams about what it could be like. And then you set out on the journey and something happens and something pops up. And the question is, is it possible? The question is, could it be true? The question is, what if it is true? If God is real and God is loving and God is knowable, wouldn't you want to know? The question is, is it worth the risk? Because in every journey, there's risk, there's trouble, there are obstacles that come up. Today we're going to look at, we've been in the book of Hebrews, the the biblical book of Hebrews, and it's at the back. And so if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, we're going to be in two places. We're going to be in Hebrews, which is at the back of the Bible, and we're going to be in Genesis, which is at the very front of the Bible. Because when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews is a book, we don't know who the author was, but it's, it's about Jesus. And it's about how Jesus and faith in Jesus is greater than, than anything. And so when we come to Hebrews chapter 11, it's this story of faith. And it's the picture of how faith has been woven through the whole entire story of Scripture, going all the way back to the beginning. And for several weeks, we're just looking at all of the stories that accounts to see what faith in action looks like. And so we saw, last week, we saw the story of Abel and how he had faith. And we saw the story of Enoch and how he walked with God. And we saw the story of Noah. And we saw that faith is active. Today, we're going to look at Abraham. And so we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. And we'll come back to Hebrews 11. So you've got two fingers. Keep keep both those open. If you need two windows on your phone, do that. Abraham was the father, was the patriarch of the the Hebrew people. He was God's chosen man. At a time when nobody was walking with God, God came to Abraham. So what I want to do is I just want to look real quick, and starting in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to hit a couple of spots real quick. I want to look at the story of Abraham, and then I want to see what the writer to the Hebrew, thousands of years later, what the writer to the Hebrews has to say about Abraham, specifically concerning faith. Because I want to acknowledge you may be out there, and faith may be hard for you. You may think, well, I, I just, I, I don't have faith, or I, I don't know how to believe. I don't believe. Is it possible to not believe and to have faith? How does that work? Well, we begin in Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at Abraham's story. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Abram gets his name changed to Abraham later, same guy. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. So it begins God's instructions, God's dealing with Abraham begins with a command. Leave all the things that you know. And he says, go to a land that I'll show you. This is the part that we don't like. He didn't say, hey, Jason, I want you to leave your house, and I want you to go to Common Street, and on Common Street, I'm going to want you to take a left on Union. No, he doesn't say that. He says, hey, I want you to head out. And as you head out, I'll give you instructions as you go along the way. And then, but God keeps talking. Verse 2, I will make you, Abram, into a great nation, and I will bless you. So he says, basically, I'm going to multiply. I'm going to give you a bunch of kids. 
and your kids are going to have a bunch of kids, and your kids so much that you're going to be a nation. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. God himself says to Abraham, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God calls Abram, and then he makes Abram a promise. He says, listen, if you'll just follow me, even though you don't know all the details, if you'll just step out and go, then I, I'll bless you, and I'll do unbelievable things in your life, and I'll do this, I'll multiply all of these things. Verse 4, so Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So a 75-year-old guy hears this voice of God, which is crazy. It's crazy, but he believes, and he steps out. And so this is how we see faith, kind of this belief and this action. He believed that something had happened. He had this promise, this unknown kind of deal. At 75 years old, hey, I'm going to give you kids. He's 75 years old. I don't, I mean, maybe dudes, but... 75 is old to have kids. We're going to find his wife here, Sarah, was actually older than him. And something in Abraham believed. And so he left. So he slips, slip over to, verse, or to chapter 18 in Genesis. Abram's gone on with his life, and he's learning how to follow God, and he's on his way uh, to wherever it is that God's going to send him. And one day, Abram's sitting by his tent, and he looks over, and three guys are standing there. So Abram runs out to meet these three guys, and it turns out they're angels. He doesn't know it at the time, but he invites them in, and they sit down, and they're having a meal. And by the time you get to verse 9, we read this. One of the visitors, right, says, where's your wife, Sarah, they asked him. She's over there in the tent. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, they're old, old. Your wife, Sarah, is going to have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Did I mention that they were very old? And Sarah was past the age of childbearing, obviously. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord, talking about Abraham, and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? She asks questions. She doesn't, she has doubts. She doesn't, she's not really sure that this is going to happen. Surely not, she says. Can this be? Is it possible? This is too hard. This can't be done. Skip over to chapter 21, verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God had promised him. See, God called and God promised. And Abram and Sarah, they set out. And they did what they were supposed to do. And they saw God fulfill their promise. That's what faith looks like. So now skip over to, to the book of Hebrews. Switch to the back. And we're going to read Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to start in verse 8. And so what we're going to see now that the writer to the Hebrews does is he connects these actions and he shows us what faith means. Shows us how faith looks. Verse 8, by faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, it in, as his inheritance, obeyed and went. So this is what God said, hey, if you do this, 
I'm going to give you this, a land, a country, a nation. That's his inheritance. God was going to give it to him. And so Abram obeyed. And he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Isaac and Jacob, we're going to talk about them next week. Isaac and Jacob were his sons. The son Isaac that he had, right, when God said, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to make you into a nation. Well, at 75 years old, the guy doesn't have any kids. you, you got to start with one. Isaac was the one. And so Abram set out. And the story of Abraham, I would encourage you to go back and read it. Start in verse 12 and just read the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. Abram walks and he gets around. And God doesn't give him any of that property right now, but he walks around and Abram enjoys the land, just like what God said he would do. Um, verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architects and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Now, you got to say, but Sarah had doubts. Sarah, she doubted. She just said, well, how can it be, God? But we know how babies are made. And at her old age, Sarah kept walking with Abraham. Sarah kept being with Abraham. She believed something. She saw something. God had made a promise, and she laughed, and she chuckled, but she kept following. And Abraham, he didn't see it. He kept pitching a tent going, God, are you going to give it to me today? But he kept walking, and he kept following, and he kept going. <clears throat> and by faith, she was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. <clears throat> Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 gets a promise. God says, Abraham, I'm gonna do something crazy for you. Abraham, I'm gonna do something. Now listen, Abraham, you're not gonna get it all. You're not gonna see it, but let me tell you what it's gonna look like. I'm gonna make your name great and I'm gonna bless you and the whole entire earth is gonna be blessed for you. And because of that, because the idea that God is good and God had made a promise and God had talked to him, because the idea that God was out there and he didn't have the whole thing, it's a treasure map right now. What does it mean you're going to make me a nation? How is that going to happen? How does that work? What does it mean you're going to give me a spot and a place? What does that look like, God? Can you give me a roadmap? And he says, no, just follow me and I'll show you. And Abram did and he set out and he chased the promise of God. He heard something and he said, maybe it's true. And so he goes out and he ran and he starts chasing God. See, that's what faith does. Faith pursues. Faith steps into things that it doesn't see, but believes. And I won't even say always believes, but hopes. Abraham sure hoped that God was going to come through. This is the principle when, when people give. I, I, it's been remarkable to me as I, as I have seen through the, I don't know, has it been a thousand months now that we've been in isolation and that we've been doing this, or does it just, just feel like that? At those who have been faithful to continue to support, financially to support the church. And I'm so grateful for that because that's a faith piece. And we continue to do 
there's a lot of ministry, all the, the packs that we give to kids and to families, and we're able to support people, and we're able to, to give resources. The gifts that come into the church, we're faithful to use them and to give them away and to support and to do ministry and to build the kingdom, but it takes faith. It takes faith to believe that we're coming back. It takes faith to believe that this church is active. It takes faith to believe that what God does in and through his people here continues and goes on. And so I'm grateful for that, but that's an act and a demonstration of faith because the people who give, listen, I say all the time, giving isn't primarily for me. I don't know who gives. I don't know what, what money. I, 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 don't, I don't pay attention. I don't see that. I don't know that. See, giving is for the person. Giving is a demonstration that I believe when I give, it's because I believe that God is going to give back. I give because I believe that everything I have belongs to the Lord. And he is faithful. That God has made a promise. And I want to see God in every area. I want to see God in my life. I want to see God in my relationship with my kids and my relationship with my spouse. I want to see God in my work. I want to see God in my recreation. There's nowhere that I don't want to see God. But in order to do that, I have to step out. I have to take a risk. I have to step into something when I don't know everything. In July 2012, I started to feel like it was time for me to move. I'd been a pastor at a church for about 10 years. I loved the church. It was the church where I, the pastor of the church married me. I, no, he, he married me, Natalie and I. Natalie and I got married, and he was the official. I didn't marry him. I just want to clarify that. He'll be grateful for that as well. My kids were dedicated in that church. I had done ministry in that church. It was the church that when I got saved and started following Jesus again, I went to. And in 2012, I felt like God had something different for me. And I didn't know what. And so we prayed a lot. And I talked to my pastor, and he was my friend. And I just said, I feel like it's time for us to go. And again, my wife worked there. My wife was the worship leader at that church. And so when I say, we've got to go, she's coming with. Right? Like she doesn't get to, she's not staying there, right? And so that day, we knew that in a very short time, we were going to have like 100% reduction in income. And I had three kids and they want to eat almost every day, right? Like all those kids, they want to eat almost every day. And so, but we had to do it. And we didn't know where we were going. We didn't have anything lined up. And, and again, I don't recommend that for everybody, but we knew that God was calling us to something. And so we started to pray hard, right? There's nothing like stepping out and just go, God, you better, you better do something, God, because if not, my kids are going to be hungry. You're going to have three skinny little kids running around hungry, mad at God, right? And so we started to pray. And after about two weeks of praying, two weeks without a job, two weeks without knowing what it is, the pastor, my friend, says, why don't you and Natalie consider planting the new Braunfels multi-site? That's this. We had never done senior pastor before. We had never done lead pastor before. We didn't know if we would be any good at it. We, didn't, we barely knew the congregation. There had been some rough stuff that had gone on. It was tough. It was a congregation that was tired. I didn't know that they were going to accept me. I didn't know that they were going to welcome us. I didn't know that we could do it. I, for all I knew, we were going to step in and instantly things were going to burst into flames. People were going to get hurt. It was going to be terrible. It was going to be wounded. I wasn't sure that I wasn't going to destroy single-handedly the kingdom that Jesus said would last forever. I didn't know. What I did know was that I believed God put a vision in my heart to do something. And we got way more wrong than we got right. But I believe that that decision to pursue God has led to where we are. 
a church of, where people get saved, where people get baptized, where we do good, where we feed hungry kids and we feed hungry people. And we, I don't have great faith. But in that moment, I had some faith. Is God calling you to do something? To step out? To get started? Is he whispering in your heart, hey, I want you to follow me. And you're like, well, I want all the details, God. He said, I'm going to give you all the details because I, 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 I want you to chase me. I want you to follow me. I want you to be where I am. I just follow him. And you won't know where he's going. But as you follow him, you'll end up there. And it'll be good and it'll be worth it. See, faith leaves the nest. Faith is willing to step out looking for something good, looking for God, looking for something that is rich, something that is promised by God. Hey, I'm going to support you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to give back. Whatever you give, I'm going to give back. I'm going to, you're, whatever the promise is that it's good, faith says, I want that. But just like in every adventure story, when we step out, when we set out things look good and we've got the promise, there's always an obstacle to the journey, Right? Verse 13 in Hebrews chapter 11. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Oh, this is the part we don't like. So God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make a nation. I'm going to give you all this property. And then he died without receiving it. Listen. They only saw, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Here's the promise. Here's the thing that Hebrews is getting back. They did receive it. They just received it later, like later after death. See, this is important. The scripture always talks about life before and after death. God never points us and says, after death, there's nothing. Or after death, it's not, he talks about what happens after death in very similar terms as the way that he talks about it after, before death. He calls it all life, being alive. That's what we have. And so he says they received it after that. They welcomed them from a distance. That means they were on the other side and they saw it happening and they saw it coming. And Abraham says, I was waiting for that and it came. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. This is so important. Listen. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, what we're seeking in God's promises isn't trinkets from a genie. What we're seeking is something transcendent. I want to be a part of something bigger than whatever it is that I can produce with my hands. However smart I am, it's not smart enough to do the things that God has promised and to put it in my heart. I can't change hearts. I can't even change my own heart. And yet when we talk about being the church, we're talking about being in a place where hundreds and hopefully someday thousands of people will be impacted and will give their hearts and begin to be saved by this message of Jesus. I can't do that. But what if in year two, when it was really, really hard, what if I'd stopped? What if I'd quit? What if I had turned back and not pressed in? What if I said, well, God, this is hard. I don't, I don't really want to do this. See, Abraham kept going and he kept walking. Because that's what faith does. Faith pursues, but also faith persists. Faith doesn't just step back when it gets difficult. For a long time in my life, I walked away from Jesus hard. 
right? Like I didn't just like tiptoe away from Jesus. I like turned and full tilt sprinted away. Well, sometime when I was in middle school or high school, my mom started praying for me. My mom started praying for me. Prayed that I would come back, prayed that I would have a relationship, prayed that I would have all of that. And there was no sign that any of that was working. For like 10 years, 12 years, my mom talks about how she just prayed and prayed and prayed. And she says there were days that were so hopeless. There were days where every, it's like she said, I would pray for you to get closer to God and I would see or hear something that would made you, made me feel like you're farther away from God. God, what are you doing? And she, she's praying and she's losing hope and she's getting sad and she's getting frustrated and she is walking away. And then one day, God woke me up. And my mom got a story about the faithfulness of God. See, because my mom persisted, she didn't persist because she saw something. She persisted because she believes that God is good and that God is faithful. Because of that, my mom understands prayer differently today than she did all those years ago. To be honest, my mom understands time differently than she did all those years ago. Because she looks at 10 years of prayer, and it's worth it. Those weren't wasted years. Those were redeemed years. Those were years that God taught her to do something. Those were years that God taught her how to trust. Those were years that God taught her how to have faith. See, when we continue, when it's hard, and listen, I have to be 100% honest with you right now. Having faith in Jesus doesn't save you from hard times. We're in this situation that we're in with or without Jesus. But we're in it, but we can be in it with. We can be in this situation with a God who is good and who has loved us and who has called us and who has made us promises. And when we persist, it indicates what we believe about eternity. It reveals that. When I quit and listen, I said, I don't... I'm not a person of great faith. So many times I pray and I go, oh, Lord, make this thing happen. And then I pray once and go, oh, well, I guess, it, I guess it didn't happen. It reveals what I believe about prayer. But as I persist, as you follow, as you set out and you say, no, I'm not going to let go of this thing. I'm going to build my life around Jesus. And today I was terrible at building my life around Jesus. Today I didn't do a quiet time. I didn't read my Bible. I was mean to everybody. I did all the things that I shouldn't do. But I'm going to wake up tomorrow and by God, I'm going to do this. God help me. And as we persist, we get better at it. And we begin to see faith and we begin to see eternity different. We begin to see eternity is not out there starting at some distant point in the future. We begin to see eternity start today. And we begin to see God impact us and meet us and deliver us today. That's what following Jesus is about. It's not about someday when we die. It's about today. It's about here. It's about Abraham building a tent in a place that he would never see, but that someday his people would inhabit and looking around and going, man, my God is good, isn't he? And continuing on and persisting on. And that becomes, that's an obstacle. There's always an obstacle in the story. We persist, we go, we look, things don't work out. And then something happens to make us think that it's really probably not gonna come through. So Abram follows God. And Sarah has a son, and she names him Isaac. Beautiful boy. The child of the promise. 
the one that God had said and promised was gonna come. Hebrews 11, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, we're gonna look at this in just a second, but I'm gonna be 100% honest right here. There's a good part of me that wonders, like if I, when I'm introducing people to the scripture, there's a good part of me that wishes that this story wasn't in there because it's hard. It takes faith to see and to understand, but it says that God tested Abraham and he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back. See, God made a promise to Abraham. God said, hey, do this. And then he gave him a command. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22. Starting in verse 21. Uh, No, it's not right. Let me get there. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested. Remember what the writer of the Hebrews said. God tested Abraham, and he said, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Now remember, Isaac's the father, and this is the son. Now Isaac is an old man. He's in his 90s, and he's an old man. And here's this boy, Isaac. And Isaac at this time is probably about 13 years old. And he looks at him, and he's watching his boy grow up. And he's like, this is the promise. This is everything that God had said would happen to me. This is the fulfillment. I get to see it with my own eyes. So God calls him, and Abraham's going, God, you've been so good to me. And God calls his voice, and he says, Abraham. And Abraham goes, yes, God, here, hey, Lord, here I am, yeah. And then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, you... Isaac, the one that you love, Isaac, the pride of your life, the apple of your eye, everything, all of that. Take him, yeah, and then go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Nah, <laughs> nah, that's crazy. It wasn't crazy at the time. There were a lot of gods who asked, demanded child sacrifice. And so as heartbreaking as this would have been, it wouldn't have been out of line with other expressions of of God at the time. So what does Abraham do? How does Abraham tell Sarah? Can you imagine how that conversation would go in your house? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. See, I'd have probably slept till noon, had a late lunch, took a nap, just waited and hoped that God had forgotten. But Abraham gets up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And we had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place that God had told him. See, Abraham, through his years of walking with God, through his years of seeing God faithful, and Abraham screwed it up a lot. Abraham got a lot of stuff wrong, but Abraham had learned that God is faithful. Abraham had learned by experience because Abraham had pursued in faith and because Abraham had persisted in faith. Abraham was aware. Abraham understood. He saw that when God makes a promise, his command does not contradict that promise. If God had said, I'm going to make you a nation through Isaac, Abraham goes, well, somehow this is in line with that. And Hebrews tells us that he reasoned God could even raise him from the dead if he wanted to. See, this is what faith does because we're out there right now with questions and we're standing back and we're holding back and we're going, can I really trust God? Really? 
If I give God my time, if I really give God my purity, if I say that I'm going to give God my relationships and I'm going to give God my money, and if I say I'm going to wake up and every morning I'm going to build my life around God, is God trustworthy? And we're not sure because we hear stories about God calling people to go be missionaries in Africa. And we go, I don't want to be a missionary to Africa. Is God really trustworthy? But see, Abraham doesn't just, the story of Abraham doesn't begin in Genesis chapter 22. It begins in Genesis 12. When God said, step out and I'll show you. And faith walks and it pursues and it persists. So by the time that Abraham gets to this moment, he knew. Abraham knew God's trustworthy. See, that's what faith does. Faith proves that God is trustworthy. Faith proves that God can be counted on. When you walk with God and you persist, It gives you an opportunity to have an experience in your own world that God comes through. So Abraham obeyed. So what did that look like? Verse 13. Abraham walks up the mountain. Isaac's like, Dad, where are we going? Abraham's like, we're going to go sacrifice. Isaac's like, there's no sacrifice. I can imagine Abraham's response was silence. They get up to the top of the mountain and they build, Abraham builds an altar puts the wood for the fire, ties Isaac up, sets him on top of the altar, raises the knife. God, what are you doing? God, seriously? Then an angel calls Abraham. Abraham says, here I am in verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham, you followed, you obeyed. And you're still like, yeah, but God, that's kind of a jerk move. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. See, when Abraham was walking up the mountain, he told Isaac, God will provide the sacrifice. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The Hebrew is Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Abraham got his son back. And because he obeyed, he got an understanding that God's not like other gods. See, when God... When Abraham thought was the God who was about to take his son away, when Abraham got the command and said he's going to go up, Abraham goes, oh, well, I guess this God that I'm following is just like everyone else. I guess child sacrifice is not something like that. But what God does in the meantime is shows Abraham, I am not like other gods. There is no other God. He says this over and over throughout the scripture. There is no God that is like me. Every other God wants to take from you. Every other God wants to make you weak and on your knees, and he wants to take and destroy everything that you have. What Your job wants to take from you, and long after you're gone, it will continue without you, and it will forget you, and you'll be chewed up and spit out. Everything wants to take, not our God. Our God is a giver. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you purpose. He gave Abram his son back. And if Abram had stopped, if Abram had pulled up short, he would have missed. This is where we see Jesus most clearly. 
Abraham walked up the mountain with his son, and his son was spared. Jesus walked up the mountain and wasn't spared. But here's the thing to remember. God didn't kill Jesus. Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus gave his life. That's who our God is. He is a giver. When we talk about giving, financially giving and supporting, we give so that we can experience God as a giver. When we give our time, we give our time so that we can experience God as a giver, multiplying it. When we give forgiveness to people who don't deserve it, we do that so that we can experience God as a giver. When we give peace and reconciliation and restoration, and when we speak up for those who are weak and wounded and under the boot, when we do that, we experience God giving. When we give, God gives back only by stepping out in faith. If I hoard this and I go, this is mine, God, do something with me. He says, well, give me that. And we go, no. He says, well, your hands are full. I can't, can't give you anything. We will know God when we follow him with everything. Where are you on your journey? Maybe you're just starting. Maybe even just today, you felt that thing in your heart whisper, this sense, this urging, this nudge. It says, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you trust my son, Jesus? Will you? With questions that you can't answer, what's the promise? The promise is that God is a giver. The promise is that if you will give God your life, he will give you eternity. The promise isn't that if you do good things, that good things will happen to you. The promise isn't that if you're good enough, you'll escape. The promise is that nobody is good enough, and yet our God is a giver. And what he wants is for you to give him. We call that following. I want you to follow Jesus. And following Jesus actually means following. It means giving your life to live the way that Jesus lived. Will you do that? I want you to stop right now, and I want you to think, have you ever made that decision? I want to really, I want to give my life to Jesus. And what that means is, like Isaac up on the altar, God, my desires are your desires now. My wants now are your wants. And if you will just go to God and say that, God, I want to follow your son, Jesus, he'll lead you. We call that being saved, being saved from the altar. Because if at any point Abraham decides not to follow he loses it all. Will you follow Jesus today? If so, I want you to take your phone out. This is a step. This is a practical step of obedience. This is a practical step of saying, I'm going to step. I'm going to leave, right? Abraham had to actually leave his country to get the new country. Will you take your phone out? And will you type in the number in your text messages, 94000? And will you simply type the word follower? That's going to be a text message that's going to come to me, and I'm going to send you a text message right back that will get some information, and we'll be in touch this week. I'll send you an email. We'll connect you to some people that will help you follow, because that's how you step out. Our goal is Jesus, and what, what you can do is you can begin to look and read in the Word, but read with a bias towards action. Read looking for ways to step out in faith. Listen, if we're not doing that, nothing else really makes sense. 
nothing else. All, all the promises, the promises are for those who follow. Abraham didn't get to say, well, I'd rather stay here in my place and have you give me all that stuff. And God goes, no, that's, that's not the deal. You have to follow me and I'll, if you follow me, I'll give you everything. That's the promise that he makes to you. If we follow him, if you follow him, he will lead you on a great adventure and it will be scary and there will be bumps in the road and there will be moments where it is the darkest night and your soul will feel like it is empty. There will be hard times and lonely times and afraid times and God will come through and God will be faithful and then you will see that he is trustworthy. Where are you today on your journey? Have you set out but you are tired? Are you at that place where you just feel like you've walked a long time and maybe you feel like you just, maybe you're wondering, God, where are you? God, I thought this would be over by now. God, I thought my job would be safe. God, I thought my spouse would change. God, I thought my kids would be different. God, I thought, and it seems like it's not. My encouragement to you is to keep going. And more than that, my encouragement to you is to try something different. Try something new. Specifically, during this time, I want to ask you, because here's the deal. God's promise to Abram to be a blessing had to do with people. I'm going to make you a nation, the whole earth. Physical ground, yes, but God was talking about people. God wants to connect us to people. So I want to ask you, during this time, are you connected to people who are pointing you to Jesus, who are challenging you to have faith, who are challenging you to step out? So here's what I want to ask. Will you get connected? Will you connect to Christian, to believers? I will help you. That same phone number, listen, maybe you're, you're saved and you go, oh, I hope people got saved. But listen, if you're not connected, if you're not doing something to specifically and intentionally invest in yourself and your spirit, take your phone out, 94000, and text the word Connect RC. And here's what I want to say. Maybe you're here and you're just getting started and you, want to, you say, hey, I want to be in a group. We're going to start all kinds of groups. We're going to start Zoom groups and, and Bible study groups and all this stuff. But listen, maybe for you, maybe you don't need to be in a group. Maybe you need to lead a group. We need you too. Maybe it's time for you to stand up and go, I will be accountable to five other people. I will show up in Zoom and I will start a message and I will send a link and I will talk to people about Jesus and I am broken and I don't know what I'm doing, but I will be accountable and I want to do that. I want to hear from you too. Your faith will grow because you go, I can't be a leader. I don't have time. I don't have the resource. I don't know enough. Of course you don't. It's not about you. It's about God. Will you lead something? Will you start something? Will you join something, be a part of something? Maybe you're, there was something big in your life that you used to pray for, but you stopped praying. Will you keep praying? Will you start praying again and asking God to give you something to pray for? Ask God to tell you something, to give you a promise to hang your hat on, to keep praying. And will you pray until something happens? Pray until God shows up? Or maybe you've given up. Maybe one time God, you feel like God made a promise to you, but then he asked you to do something and it was just too costly. And you're just like, God, I can't do that. I can't give you that. It's my son. I can't. My encouragement to you would be, the story's not over. Your story's not over. How many times must Abraham have thought on the way up that mountain? It's too much. But Abraham believed God and his faith in God was built as he pursued and as he persisted. Will you keep going? Will you get godly counsel? Will you ask somebody who you know, who knows faith, who believes in faith? If you don't know anybody like that, send me an email. 
Reach out to me. Find a way to connect with me. I'll tell you. I'll talk, talk to me. I'll give you my best. But what I want you to do is I want you to keep going. When it looks like you're at the end, when it says, God, that is too much. God, I cannot give you that. I want you to know my faith has shown me that God doesn't take. I had a good job at a big church where people saw me. People loved me. They loved my family. They knew me. They had seen me grow up in that place. And there was a moment where I said, God, are you taking that away from me to go destroy something else? And God said, nah, son. That's not what I'm like. And for almost eight years, I've been surrounded by the most wonderful people in the history of the world who love me and love my family and are stepping out. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. The story's not over. God is a giver. And it may hurt and it may bleed and you may wonder. We said last week that we are, there are 168 hours in the week and church is one of them. But we are people of the 167. We are 167 people. People who live for God and with God. 167 other hours. So what does that mean? What do we do? This is what we do. We pursue faith. We never let ourselves get too comfortable. We never let ourselves get too far away from a moment where we go, man, If God doesn't come through, I'm sunk because that's where we come to find that God is trustworthy. See, when you know that God is good, when you have proven it, when you have just said, God, I'm going to jump, I'm going to follow you. And when you follow him, he's going to ask you to give something up. He's going to ask you to trust him. And then you do. And it's one step. You go, oh, 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 I made it. Then you see God is trustworthy and you follow him for the next step. See, when we know that God is good and when we know that God is trustworthy, we're dangerous. Do you know why? Because we're not afraid. Because we're not afraid of the coronavirus and we're not afraid of the government and we're not afraid of our neighbor and we're not afraid of anybody because we know that our God is good. Then we're free to just love wildly. Then we're free to give generously, sacrificially. Then we're free to forgive everybody who hurts us, whether they want it or need it or not. Then we're free to lift up those who are oppressed, those who are persecuted, those who are hurting. We're free to simply sit with them and hear them and love them and advocate for them and speak to them and look for the good things. We're free because knowing that God is good and knowing that he is trustworthy makes life an adventure. Wouldn't that be great if life were an adventure? If every step of the way was an opportunity to prove that God is good and God is faithful and that faith pays off in our understanding, it'll be hard. It will be risky. Faith will cost you. It'll be worth it. So Jesus, I pray that you would remind us that you lived by faith. So when you called us to follow you, that's the journey that we're on. And I pray specifically for those who have heard your whisper today for the first time, and I pray that they would say yes. Even if they don't know what it means, that's the very essence of faith. Do they have doubts? Of course, of course. But faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. And to send a text And to say like Abraham said, here I am, that is the very essence of faith. And I pray that as they do that today, as they send that text, as they hit send today, I pray that they will, God, have in a way that is real and authentic to them, I pray that they will have the knowing that you've seen them 
And I pray that you will meet them and I pray that you will lead them, lead them on a great adventure. And I pray for those who are wearied and those who have given up. And I pray that their steps would begin today. I pray that they would pick up their journey. And I pray that you would fill them. And I pray, Jesus, that we would be people of the 167 hours. People who walk by faith, who get very comfortable with the uncomfortable. Because we know that that's where you meet us. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. That's what we want. So teach us to get up and to get out and to follow you. And may we see you in this world bigger than we ever have. May we see you in justice. May we see you in righteousness. May we see you in goodness and in abundance and in mercy. And may that be our story. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And we ask these things, Father, by faith in your good name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. River City Church is all about experiencing and expressing God's love in our lives and community. And we hope that you've been able to experience that today. As grateful as I am that you've spent this time listening in this morning, this podcast is no substitute for full participation in a local church. I love it when River City people listen to other pastors, but it is those who show up week after week faithfully giving their support and time and resources that make all of this possible. If we can help you get connected to a local church, pray for you, or support you in any way, click the link in the description and let us know. If you'd like to financially support the ministry of River City, click the Give link on our website in the description. Don't forget to subscribe, and don't forget to share this with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. May the Lord bless and keep you in all grace and peace.